This is the Glowing Older Podcast, hosted and produced by Nancy Griffin and Catherine Lord. We curate this podcast to feature leaders in the business of aging well, who provide services and products that help us all glow older. Learn more about us and our coaching work at glowingolder.com. Hello, and welcome to the Glowing Older Podcast. I'm your co-host, Catherine Lord, and I'm excited to be here today with Robert Kruger, CPA and personal finance specialist. We're going to have a great conversation about many people's favorite thing, money. Welcome to the show, Rob. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. I'm so excited. So let's just dive right in. Tell us about you, about your background, what you're bringing. Okay. Well, uh, I kind of came into financial planning kind of through a side door uh, after starting out in public accounting, oh, well, let's just say many years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, and worked for one of the big four firms, uh, KPMG. Some people may be familiar with that name. And I was a tax-focused CPA. Uh, However, I always had my interest in finance. Uh, My background uh, includes an MBA uh, in finance. And so uh, after working at KPMG for like seven plus years, I started my own uh, CPA firm, uh, really working with individuals and small businesses, helping them with their uh, finances and budgeting um, and, you know, working with folks that uh, really could use help at a very uh, lower level, I guess, not the big companies, small companies. Um, And then in 2000, I I met up with another group, uh, Alexander Randolph, and they were a financial services firm that focused mostly on insurance uh, and wealth management. And we decided it would be great to merge our firms together because I had the tax and accounting side, and we could then offer uh, really uh, well-rounded, comprehensive uh, financial services uh, and bring those to all of our clients. And so it was with this Alexander Randolph that I started working towards financial planning for individuals uh, and wealth management because I could offer the services that they had. And in addition, that got me back to my roots as a finance person uh, and doing more than just the tax and accounting side. And so started offering services to my clients directly uh, for investments and planning and wealth management um, you know, during uh, from the years 2000 to, to current. That's awesome. And I feel like you've you've rattled off some of these terms that people who maybe have been in the financial world who have had a financial planner before would know. But uh, I mean, there's a distinction between, as you've illustrated here, accounting services, wealth management, financial planning. Um, but I, I know that baseline is financial planning is good is a good idea <laughs> for anybody at any age. So yeah. can you explain to us more what you mean by financial planning, what people are looking at if they're hiring a financial planner, and then maybe look at a couple of categories of of age groups and what the big questions or financial priorities might be in different decades of our lives. Yeah, there are so many different terms. And financial planning is more of a holistic type of view that encompasses, you know, investment management. What do you do with your investments? 
um, and wealth management. How do you manage those investments to increase your wealth? And that includes things like insurance as part of that, and estate planning becomes part of that. And so financial planning is kind of wraps around all of that and tries to put it together to give people uh, a roadmap, uh, if you will. And financial planning is important at all stages in life. I mean, even people who are just getting started uh, in the workforce, you need to plan and have a budget. You know, you don't want to spend right. what you make. Uh, so that starts uh, early on. But then as you start getting into your 40s and 50s, um, a lot of things start happening almost all at once, which can be a little chaotic at times. <laughs> uh, first, it's, you know, people are saving for their retirement. They were told to invest in their 401ks and they're doing that. But now they may have kids like, oh, well, when are they going to college? And may want to think about, you know, saving for that uh, through college savings plans. Um, and then they're trying to say, well, you know, we're in our 40s and 50s. We've, you know, done well. We've advanced in our careers. We also want to spend some of that money that we've earned. And some people mm -hmm. want to say, we want to do a family vacation. You know, the kids are going to leave the house soon. Let's go travel. And so you have all these demands, you know, saving here and spending and enjoying the, the fruits of your labor. And it's really about taking a balance at that point in life. Uh, and how much should you be putting aside? How much should you be spending? Um, and then, you know, to complicate that, uh, at that point, you become part of a generation where you're not only watching out for your kids, but you're watching out for your parents. Right. Most people in their 40s and 50s now have older parents. And what does that involve uh, in handling some of their finances as well? And maybe even supporting, you know, depending on how much savings the, uh, the parents had. Mm -hmm. Say, uh, helping them uh, with their finances. And so it becomes a very demanding uh, point in time. And so we work with people to try to understand those balances and you know work through that. Um, then into the 60s, that's when people started going into that retirement phase of life. Uh, or at least they're starting to think about that. You know, how many more years do I want to work? And, you know, do I have enough? You know, and there right. was a lot of focus uh, a number of years ago. I think it was Fidelity that brought out, you know, what's your number? And so everyone gets fixated on the number, like how much should I have? And that's such an open-ended question because it really depends. I mean, people live different lifestyles and, you know, some people can live simply and other people may want to travel and, and have a lot more things uh, in their lives that will, will you know, cost money. Uh, and so, you know, people uh, need to decide what it is that they want to do. And then from there, they can figure out what kind of budget they may need to support that lifestyle. Uh, and there becomes three categories that I talk about with people in their 60s to focus on, and that is needs, wants, and wishes. Mm -hmm. You know, what you need is certainly like food and shelter and clothing and, and, and taking care of those basic expenses. But then it's like, okay, what do we want to do and want maybe travel? I want to spend, uh, you know, uh, four weeks a year traveling to two really great destinations. And maybe that budget may cost me, you know, X thousands of dollars. And so putting that money aside is part of that planning. Um, and then wishes become the big things. You know, do I, can I afford a second home at the beach? Can I afford this? And categorizing those expenses when you're in your 60s helps people focus on what they will need, um, you know, and how much money they should have before they retire.
Uh, and then when you get in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I guess I just simplify those as the the go-go, slow-go, and no-go years because <laughs> we're in our 70s. Now we're pretty much retired, and we want to go. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to travel. We want to get involved with activities. Uh, we want to have hobbies, and those cost money. Um, but when we get into the 80s, we're going to slow down a bit. Maybe travel is more localized, seeing family or staying within the U.S., not traveling abroad. Um, but still, you know, activities and hobbies become important. Um, but then when you get into our 90s, maybe it's more focused on health care. And that's the big cost at that stage in life. Uh, and so people uh, are spending more money on health care and where they're going to live. Are they going to live at home? Are they going to live in assisted living? And so what would the cost of those uh, that stage of life be? Um, and so, you know, that's kind of where people should be focusing on during those different stages of life. It really strikes me because I feel like, first of all, thank you for breaking that down. Um mm -hmm. As somebody who is in the the earlier part of that uh, demographic, you know, I think without having any prior knowledge of this, one might look at it and say, what am I supposed to think about? And, and also acknowledging that certainly from that older child, adult child through, um, you know, our own retirement, that there's a lot of, of varying of. Uh, priorities where we're looking at our own children, like you mentioned, perhaps supporting our older parents um, if possible. So there's kind of a lot uh, going on in that mid-stage stage of life. So just having some compassion for everything that we're trying to to juggle in that for that group of people. Um, but that also the the money question, how much do I need? Isn't the first question to ask. It's what do you want to do? Which of course is what we talk about at Glowing Older all the time is if you, yes, you you have to have some idea of your financial capacity. However, asking those questions of where, where do I want to go? How do I want to live my life? And what kind of budget will support that is, is flipping the conversation a little bit from what I think people typically do. They say, this is how much money I have. And so that's the limiting factor. And therefore I can only do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, and that's right. I mean, the, the question that I ask people when they come in for, you know, either a consultation on retirement is, is really, it's kind of open-ended and getting them to talk about, yes, you know, tell me about yourself and what excites you. Uh, what gets you up in the morning? What really uh, motivates you? Um What's your relationship with money even? And and mm. those sorts of things really pry into, and then people start talking, oh, what's really important to me is my family. And then you realize that, okay, it's really about taking care of kids. And so that's where they may be focusing a lot of their financial resources is helping kids and or grandkids. Uh, and that's what they want to do. And other people say, you know what? I want to tour the world. I just love going and meeting new people all over the world. And so that becomes important to them. And it's like, okay, so travel, and so once you get to know what jazzes people up, you get to a better idea of how best to help them plan for that. Uh, because, yeah, everyone is different and you really need an open conversation about what people plan to do when they get um, to this retirement stage of life. That's a great segue that 
you know, people conjure a lot of different images of retirement. And for our listeners, they know that, you know, we don't we don't even really like the word retirement because it it might conjure a false image, particularly with the state of the world. Retirement looks very different uh, now for many people than it would have 20, 30 years ago when we started talking about 65 of retirement age and Social Security and all of that. Uh, and often people, as we've discussed, are so busy in their 40s and 50s taking care of kids and their parents and their own careers that by the time you get to retirement, uh, you haven't really thought about what you want to do. <laughs> and, or you might say, I just want to play golf. And that's yeah. that's as far as you get. So right. when you talk to clients about, quote unquote, retiring beyond just, you know, what jazzes you up, what are some of the things you discuss? Yeah. It, when we talk about retirement, you know, first of all, that's such an old fashioned word. Like you say, it, it's really, uh, you know, people thought of retirement as well. I'm no longer working, so I'm retired where now anymore, it, it really is a next stage of life. And so right. what you're saying is you're, you're moving on to where financially you're feel somewhat secure and, you know, some people always uh, never feel secure enough. And, and that's always an open question for most people. You know, do I have enough? Will I outlive my money? But, you know, you're onto this next stage and now it's like, okay, what, how do I want to paint the rest of this picture? I can do anything I want within reason, as long as I can, you know, financially afford that. And so, you know, challenge yourself. Do you want to, you know, like I said, do you want to travel? Do you want to take a class? I mean, I have a client who went back at his doctorate wow. uh, in philosophy. And and that's because he always wanted to do that. And so now he can, he can afford to do that. And so you can challenge yourself to do anything you want in, in this next stage of life, but you have to have some sort of a plan for that because when I talk to folks about retirement, it's like you have to understand you're going to have a lot of time on your hands and how are you going to fill it? What, how best do you want to, um, you know, fill the time that used to be spent uh, at work? Um, doing things that you enjoy. And that's a big struggle for a lot of people. There's some that will go back and work part time because it, and that gives them fulfillment. And that's fine. If you want to be a greeter at Walmart because you get to meet people, that's absolutely fine. It may not be about the money. It may be about the social interaction. Yes. And that's the big thing. I think most people don't realize that when they're retired, they need to figure out different ways to have social interaction with other folks. You know, it's no longer at the water cooler at work. It is now, you know, out there and whatever hobbies or activities you choose to get involved with, but you have to choose to do that. You have to really make an effort to get out there and, you know, um, get involved um, and, and think of new ways to do, uh, challenge yourself to do new things uh, outside of what maybe you used to do um, when you were, you know, before you stopped working. That's such a great reminder that our jobs over time can serve different purposes. So if we're in our 40s, 50s, for example, if your goal is I've got to make money, I've got to pay the mortgage, I've got to support my kids, get them through college, et cetera, et cetera. Your job may have more of a financial purpose. You know, hope, hopefully there's enjoyment there too, of course. But as you age, you know, I, I feel like there's this social pressure of you have the big retirement party and 
you eat the cake, you have the champagne, and then you sit on your laurels and go to the beach or go to Paris, take your big trip, um, and that you're not, quote unquote, supposed to work anymore. And who's making that rule? It might not be about money anymore. You know, if you're lucky, you don't need the money post, you know, hardcore career retirement. But like you said, if if you're looking for social engagement, if you enjoy teaching, if you enjoy uh, traveling or engaging with other people, you know, you can do those things still for money. Um, but that might not be the main purpose. It might be that social interaction and that that fulfillment um, that our jobs serve for so, so many years of our lives. Yeah. And that, and that's true. I mean, and so most people want to feel involved. And so um, then go ahead and do that um, and figure out if you can make money at it, then that's great. There's, there's a going to be a great need of people who have experience and have knowledge um, still in the workforce. Uh, you know, it's just, because you know the population is shrinking, and I think we're talking right. about baby boomers is are a big part of the population that are now retiring, and the the succeeding generations, the the population levels are lower. And so, if the if an economy is growing and they need more workers, but they have fewer people to fill those positions, you know those folks in retirement have opportunities to share that wisdom, that knowledge, that experience um, with you know individuals, with companies, with businesses uh, that still value what, what they have to offer. And that's a great way to you know spend part of your retirement years, but on your terms. And I think exactly. that's, it's the big thing is that you can say, I'm going to do this project, but then I'm going to stop and I'm going to take six weeks or six months off and travel uh, or see my family. And then I can jump back in again next year. And trust me, there'll be plenty of businesses uh, that will still want that type of uh, that type of worker. Be be looking for people. Exactly. Yeah. But as yeah. as you said, just like at every other stage, this this requires or it at least uh, benefits from right. having a plan. You can't expect right. companies to come to you. You can't expect right. the plan to be made for you. So you've got to think about this stuff. Um, right. And there's people like you and companies like Glowing Older that that want to help people think it through because it can be overwhelming if you're just you know doing it right. on the back of an envelope right. uh, at your kitchen table. Right. Yeah. And it's the, these are the type of conversations that are not about finances that uh, right. I think people value more because it, it, it challenges them to rethink maybe even some of the, the old notions of, OK, well, now I just, you know, go play golf every day. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of guys who think like that and it's like, well, golf's a fun sport. I enjoy it, but I couldn't do it every day. But if you can, <laughs> good for you. Um, but so what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so part-time employment's good, and that then kind of enables you to determine how to withdraw your retirement savings uh, and manage those finances over a longer period of time. Uh, and so we have conversations when we get into the finance side, is like, well, if you're going to do a little bit of this or a little bit of that, and you're going to make some money, then you can either defer taking your Social Security, um, you can defer when you may want to start withdrawing from some of your retirement savings accounts. 
Um, and all those play into right. you know the the longer term financial plan. Um, if people are going to continue to do some level of employment or engagement um, after their regular job ended. So one of the things that we talk about a lot is is this dynamic between adult children and their aging parents or aging loved ones. You know, both sides of that equation, as as we've talked about today are looking at different different stages of financial planning. But often what I hear what happens, for, fortunately it wasn't my own personal experience, but for many um, adult children, they are unclear or at least unclear or completely in the dark about what's going on financially with their parents. And, and that can be a really awkward conversation, um, even though we know that transparency and, uh, you know, sharing expectations to be able to, to create a stronger plan for everyone's health, happiness, and safety is wise. What would be your counsel for adult children with aging parents or loved ones on some of the things they could bring up generally about financial planning? Yeah, people are talking about finances is one of almost those taboo topics. It's like yeah. it jokes about you can't talk about religion and politics. I think I would add to that finances. I mean, yeah. people just have a real uh, problem about talking to family members about finances. Like, well, you know, you're not supposed to know that. And, you know, I'm I'm the parent here, mm -hmm. even if we're in the 80s. And I don't want you to know what we do or do not have. And and but it's so important to have that conversation. And the earlier, the better, uh, especially when everyone is um, able to have the conversation, uh, understands the ramifications of that conversation and not so much later when, you know, memories fade and I can't remember saying that or I'm not sure what this means. And so, yeah, communication up front uh, is so important. And so. You know, it really starts with, you know, um, you know, mom and dad, have you, you know, updated your wills and what do they look like? And, you know, are, are all the people that you want to take care of, are they taken care of in your, you know, your your wills and your, your uh, documents that you have? Um, and would that include a revocable trust? Is that a better way to handle, you know, uh, designating, you know, where the assets go upon their death. Um, on top of that is powers of attorney. Uh, you know, who's going to make decisions if you can't do them anymore? Uh, if you're, you know, uh, in mental health and, you know, uh, Alzheimer's is such a big thing uh, these days. And if, if you slide into that and dementia, it's at that point, it's kind of too late to have these conversations. So, you know, who's going to have the power of attorney to make those decisions and advance healthcare directives, you know, who's going to decide if, um, you know, if something happens that may not be recoverable, um, when is the time to say, you know what, let's let them go in peace versus trying to extend uh, life. Right, and right. So 
you know, those conversations uh, with, you know, uh, parents is so important, um, it, you know, in, in the long-term care, where do you want to be cared for? Do you want to be cared for at home uh, or are you uh, okay in an assisted living facility? Um, so many people now, including my in-laws, they want to stay at home until their very late 80s. Uh, be, and have people come in and take care of them uh, because that was important. That was where they were comfortable. And so what does that look like if you have people coming into the house and how often? And what is the cost of that versus having the cost of you know, assisted living? And so having that conversation uh, is also very important. Um, and figuring out, you know, financially, how is that going to work and, and what sort of resources would be required? Uh, is there long-term care insurance? Uh, is that something that can be set up now? Uh, usually that's a conversation for much earlier. Uh, and when people get into their 70s and 80s, it becomes very unaffordable. Right. Um, but that's a conversation to have earlier with folks and parents as well. Um, and then even such things as, you know, the funeral and, you know, last life expenses, you know, well, you know, are those going to be set aside in a fund? Is there insurance policies going to cover that? Um, you know, is it going to be prepaid? Uh, there's many plans uh, that you can prepay for to take that responsibility away from, you know, the beneficiaries, uh -huh. uh, you know, and so... All those are just great conversations to have, but you need to start to have those conversations as early as possible. And that's it. That is such a yeah. theme on this podcast and in our work is like early and often. Right. Um, and 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 I also want to acknowledge the challenge, particularly for adult children who haven't ever talked about finances with their parents or their their loved ones and it can be it can be uncomfortable and and there are resources to help people through those kinds of conversations but for so many it's framing it from a place of care and love and and a desire to honor your loved one's wishes you want to know this information so that you can carry help them carry out their years in the way that they want right. um so it's it's such a gift actually for adult children to sort of grin and bear it, to be able to have those compassionate, perhaps uncomfortable conversations, but for the greater good, for for the positive outcomes of really honoring their loved ones and their wishes uh, as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, communication is, is so important. And I think everyone, after they have the conversation, usually feels better about having it. But it's always that, how do I start this conversation? Uh, and basically, if it's people you love, you start it, you know, whenever you can. And, and yeah. it's never going to be received poorly if it's delivered in the right, it, it, the message is delivered in the right tone. Right. And, and sometimes, you know, another reason to start early is because there's there's often pushback. You might have to ask for the conversation right. a couple of right. times before it actually right. happens. Right. Um, and, you know, really, like you said, this is one of these stigmatized conversations. People feel wonky about it. And, and there's some good reasons. So and we don't want to, um, you know, tread over people's privacy, but also. Yeah. We can work to destigmatize conversations about aging through conversations about finances and saying, there's no shape here. We've all made the best decisions we possibly could. Where are right. we now? And let's just start from here. And, and I think that's another good thing to know about financial planning is that 
financial planners aren't there to judge. They're there to support. They're there to help you say, these are your wishes. How can we possibly get you there? And not right. say, uh, you really should have started saving when you were 25. Right. <laughs> yeah. You can't talk about history. It's always about the present and looking forward. Exactly. You know, the history is gone. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, with that in mind, Rob, what gets you most excited these days? Well, there's, there's all sorts of great resources out there for financial planning. Uh, and that's what really gets me excited is that I can learn, continue to learn from others in the industry that they've either been doing it longer or just been doing it from a different perspective. I mean, there's a, a gentleman out there named Carl Richards. And he used to uh, write for the New York Times. And he has a podcast called 50 Fires, which is, is amazing. It talks about money. Uh, and I love listening to that. And he talks all, to all sorts of people about, you know, um, you know, money issues, which is just so interesting to listen to. Um, I also was at a financial planning conference last week, and they talked about having to plan for longer life after you know retirement or into that mm -hmm. next stage, because people are going to live longer. And what does that look like? And what does planning for that look like? And you know, I, I talked about '90s being the 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 no go years, and there's going to be many people who are going to be living very active and fulfilling lives into their '90s. And how do we plan for that? Um, you know, uh, to the point where the one gentleman said, uh, there's people alive today that will live to, into their 120s. And so as planners, how are we going to help them do that uh, in the most, uh, in, the, in the best way possible? Um, so that's exciting. Um, wow. Yeah. And that's uh, it. You know, money is just one of those and, and financial planning. It's one of those avenues that we can integrate into our aging well plan. It's a piece of the puzzle. It's an important piece and it supports so many of the other things we want to do. Um, but it's all full of, of opportunity. I just, I love that. I love that. Well, yeah. Rob, thank you so much for your time and your insights. Um, it's always great to hear about this side of things. Um, you know, we're working to destigmatize the financial conversation. So thank you for, for joining us to help be a part of that. And Certainly, we'll include your information in our show notes for anybody who wants to reach out to you. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed being part of this podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping that uh, people take away from this uh, that there's many opportunities for uh, people to live great lives uh, as long as they plan for it. Oh, I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Take care. You have been listening to the Glowing Older podcast. For more information about our planning and coaching services, visit glowingolder.com.